and henchmen out there in the geek nation you're listening to the spoiler alert facebook live stream uh i'm your host johnny destructo with me this week is len yo what's up how your boy this is len aka the bat triple brian lieb hi it's brian this i'm brian that's you you're that's you and noel hi <laughs> so we're here to talk about this week's books uh we don't have any do we have any letters we forgot to check before going live <laughs> I know. This is how it happens. This is the real deal. We're doing it live. We've been here for an hour before going live, and we still fucked it up. I have a lot of people care. A lot of that was figuring out how to go go live. Weren't you the one who just said kids may be watching JD? And did you just drop the f bomb? Nope. Oh, (laughs) you know what? Thank you for the reminder. Because when we start talking about books, it might happen. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start off with uh, alphabetically the first of this week's books, Action Comics number 1021 by Brian Michael Bendis and John Romita Jr. Diamond Comics has this to say about the book Metropolis Down. The blockbuster supervillain team up of the century continues. Leviathan, the Invisible Mafia, the Legion of Doom all have descended on the city of Metropolis to challenge Superman at his most vulnerable moment. With the truth about the Man of Steel's secret identity out in the open, all the rules of engagement have changed, and no one is safe. Guest starring the Justice League and Young Justice. Uh, what did you guys think of this? I thought it was fine, and I was a little confused because all of this stuff was over in Justice League about two uh, two months ago. Yeah, and but we're still dealing with it here in Action Comics. Did it actually end in Justice League, or did it just stop? Yeah. Oh, in the Justice League it part, just, but the Leviathan stuff was what seemed even more egregiously already over to me. Well, uh, it's not though. Like, there's a whole other. Well, no, Leviathan's yeah, still, going. still going. I guess he's still doing his thing. That's true. I just haven't been interested in it. If anything, so. this is this is just uh, this is like a story of like multiple, or this is a case of multiple um, series kind of handling the same status quo, but coming at different hmm. schedules. Mm-hmm. So, like, it happened. <laughs> I think before we went on air, this was the kind of shit that would happen like back in Secret Invasion Marvel times where like five books were dealing with it and some of them weren't coming out until after Secret Invasion ended. <laughs> so like when all of it was collected, it seemed like it was all a part of the same piece. But while you were reading it in real time, it was just like, man, I know what's going to happen because the main series ended. Like, why yeah. am I reading this stuff? So I, don't know. I find it interesting in comics sometimes when they have to like reinforce story elements over a variety of you know it's like it'll happen in an event book and then it'll happen in a slightly different way in you know like teen titans or whatever yeah and it's like it has to be laid in a few times before it takes hold yeah i thought the main thing about this book the first thing that i come across is that from the cover all the way to the last page this is an ugly comic book <laughs> I, agree. I just do not i don't know what happened to john romita jr this Th- that cover is egregious. Why is Superman <laughs> darn near off the 
off the bottom of the cover. He's just, coming at you. He's coming right at you. Bam! And slightly below. You. He's co- he's coming right at the the bottom of the page. His chin is literally continued on the first page. That is how low <laughs> his face is on that cover. I mean, the, the the art looks rushed. It looks um, it's just it's just real ugly. The coloring, everything about it. The story is like you said. It's it's last week's story. Um, so you really don't care about what's going on. Um, you pretty much know where everybody is after this point because mm-hmm. their own books are further ahead than this story. So it's like you almost wish they had just said, you know what, let's just let's just stop. This feels like this feels like um just completionism. You know, like uh this only matters if you care about all the other stuff, but taken on its own, it's just like, okay. I mean, cool. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I think part of the art thing is like I like John Romita's style. I, but I don't like it for I don't like it for this subject matter. You know, and it's a little rougher than maybe his his better stuff, but I think it would still look really good if it was in a like a dystopian future story yeah, or something, any number of other kinds, you know. Every time that he does um event comics or event style large comics, I I have trouble with his art. But yeah. when he does like smaller, grittier things, whether it's science fiction yeah. or not, I, I actually really appreciate it more. So like World War Hulk or yeah, was yeah. it World War Hulk that he's in? Yeah, yeah. He did, he did Eternals, which I think was pretty good. That was cool. Um, yes, it yeah. was. I liked his uh, Captain America stuff because it was like more focused. But when it's hmm. big, giant spaceships and huge battles, it just it it's a lot looser and it's just less engaging. I don't know what it is, but I really loved him on Amazing Spider-Man from John um, uh, J. Michael Straczynski. I don't know if it was the inker that was working with him. I think a colorist had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. But ever since he started working for DC, it just hasn't felt the same to me. It feels rushed. Um, I know Klaus yeah. Jansen is doing the inks on this, and he has a very, very loose style. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that looseness is really appropriate for J- John Romita Jr.'s ink, uh, pencils. You know, I think it's you've got loose... JRJR pencils and then you've got loose Klaus Jansen inks and I think that really makes for a um, a really sketchy looking art style. Hasn't Klaus been um, Klaus, we're on first name basis Yeah. hasn't he been inking him for a long time now? Yeah. Like I want to see he was was inking him on on Kick-Ass like for Mm -hmm. a long time Mm -hmm. I don't know, I wonder what's different about this now than than that because that worked Mm -hmm. for me. Maybe time constraints. (laughs) Yeah Yeah I think subject matter also really plays. I don't know. He just doesn't doesn't feel like a Superman style, you know, or a Young Justice and Superman team up book style. I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Also, let's. I mean, you hate to say it, but Klaus Jansen and even John Romita Jr. now are not young guys anymore. Like mm-hmm. not the young gun anymore. You know what I mean? Klaus has been around since the seventies. So you know he's up there in age. And John Romita Jr. has been around, really, he was a kid in the 80s. And that's Mm. 30 years ago. You know what I mean? He's 63 years old. Yeah. Yeah. There there does come a point. I just think back, I just think back, me and JD, we remember it. When we were sitting in the Hero Complex looking at a cover that George Perez did of Superman. And we were like, oh, man. Like, you saw the, the chains coming off the wheel. Yeah, and I think we we may be envisioning this with 
John Romita Jr. The same thing has happened with Frank Miller. Frank Miller, the last few years, there's a reason why he doesn't draw the books anymore. Nobody's calling for him to draw them. They're hoping that his brain is still good enough to write a story, but nobody wants to see his artwork. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> Are you getting sad? <laughs> this is brutal. But I'm just being real. I'm being real. I'm looking at a scene. It's on page 14 where Superman is talking to Connor and they're both about to go fly into, I guess, the Luthor or whoever the hell. And the storytelling of it doesn't make any sense from the way everybody had fallen down. And then when him and Connor go flying into these guys, all of a sudden Wonder Woman is coming out of the background. You didn't see any name checking for Wonder Woman. So she's just coming out, out of nowhere. And it just, and it all looks ugly and just jumbled up. And I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I think we really are watching the end of John Romita Jr. as a, as an artist who can sell a book. Let's put it that way. So out of five, four and a half? <laughs> yeah, I agree. No. 4.75? I don't know. I think that's a little harsh. I, I think he's still got what it takes. I think it just needs a, a tighter hand on the inks. I think if uh, the layouts are fine, um, I think the, the inks are what really um, are making it feel a little shoddy. I think, I think also, if you look, that's just me. Uh, even also, if you look at the next page and 15, I could see that in a Joe Hill comic. Right, it would look good. I think he's still got something going on. Well, I think I think maybe oh right, just kind of a superhero book. Yeah, I think maybe time constraints too, like you mentioned, because it wasn't this loose and this sloppy with uh, Superman Year One. Even though, as much as I just completely disliked that story, he had a lot of time and much more page um, equity to just play with. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I can see to that point. That's right. His art. While not my cup of tea is definitely, definitely better on Superman Year One. So maybe it's uh, maybe he's transitioned from a monthly artist to more of a prestige format hmm. or or mini kind of artist, which is totally fine. Actually, I I've yeah. been that for a long time. This is the only monthly like title I can. Hmm. I think he did uh, two or three issues of Batman, but a full run. Like yeah. he did, he did this full arc for Action Comics, which honestly might be why it wasn't coming out as fast as Action. But or this is Action; it wasn't coming out as fast as uh, Superman. Slow motion action. Yeah, yeah. Also, before we move on to the next book, uh, for the people who are watching live, feel free to comment. Uh, I've got it open here, and if you guys want to participate, I will be more than happy to uh, read what you say on the on the show, and uh, you can engage with us if you like. Batman Superman number eight by Joshua Williamson and Nick Darrington. General Zod is on a mission to resurrect the bottle city of Kandor, and he's ready to obliterate anyone in his path. And it goes on for another paragraph, but you get it. Uh, this book is fantastic. Yes, uh, it is. this issue and last issue were fantastic. I'm not sold on the series though. Really? Oh yeah. Well, but this is a totally separate thing from the rest of the series, right? It was like a, yeah. And it, and it yeah. ends here. Yeah, like it was it two two great issues. Is I'm not going to start picking it up until I, you know. Now, wait a minute. Really want to read it? Nick Darrington doesn't do this book. Yes, right he now. does. Well, he did this book, and he did this, the last issue. This that's it. Two issue story. Yeah, but he doesn't do it regularly. No, no. no. It doesn't have a regular artist. 
The first one was David Marquez, and then Nick Darrington, and next up is Clayton Henry, I believe. Hmm. Which is cool. Does I have a regular writer? Does, does Joshua Williamson write it regularly? Yeah. 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 So I I loved the last issue and I loved this one. This book was fun. It was it was uh it was action-packed, enjoyable, smart, witty. It was just mm-hmm. perfect. I hated the previous um arc so much that it still wasn't <laughs> enough to me for me to be like, oh, we've turned a page. Like this might just be a blip. And I'm gonna I, I didn't read that. And so for me, this was just like a two-issue story. You know, its own thing. I I wasn't comparing it at all to that. And it's a fun comic oh, yeah. story. You know, this it's awesome. The, this is one of the best things I read this week. It was awesome. Yeah. It was absolutely yeah. awesome. So I think the pro I'm hoping that the first storyline was the blip and this is not the blip. Um, oh, I-, I think the problem with this, as we said before, was that it started off because of the Batman who laughs and the yeah. Dark Knight's metal Humbaloo, yeah. and um, that now that that section of the book is over, now we're going into the stories that Joshua Williamson wants to tell about Batman and Superman, and I'm hoping that this will be, you know, uh, on its upward trajectory because these two issues are fantastic. Do you know how my my weird brain works? Is that I'm I'm someday when I go back and buy this or want this collected in a large format, hopefully, or something Nick Darrington's art, and it's great. I'm gonna have to deal with those six other fucking issues. Yeah, sorry, and that really bothers me as like a, a trade buyer. Like I don't know, Len. Like if you wanted this in trade or collected, you're gonna have to deal with. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because now that you say that, I'm remembering like I uh, those first first issues, and I'm like, oh man, yeah, dude, was it doing anything for me? I wouldn't buy this in a trade. One. This collected is too small for a trade, mm-hmm. so it's not worth buying collected. Um, uh, and if it was in part of a trade, it's 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 it, it, it's just not enough. Mm-hmm. I, I, I you do not know how depressed I am right now, knowing. Oh, I'm sorry. I this whole thing. Like I wish that it could. Can they just take this story? And put this ultimately in the collected Batman universe book that Nick Darrington did all together. Yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Like you just uh, well, we don't know everything that next. Darrington does now for DC. Let's just have a, an omnibus of it. Just yeah, Nick Darrington exactly. omnibus, kind of like Neil Adams got. Just everything yeah. he does and all. Like I don't care if it's disjointed. I just want it all in large format. Now, what I do have to say about that is the first storyline was six issues. So the first volume of this is going to be the first six issues by David Marquez, which is the Batman Who Laughs stuff. That'll be trade one. Trade two, hopefully, will have these two issues and then the next couple by uh, Clayton Henry. And hopefully that'll be a nice little trade. Is it going to have a two on it? What? Is it going to have a two on it? And then you don't have one? Uh, These other two guys know how like spine like mismatching feels weird right it does feel weird but i get over it i'm not the asshole that brought it up like you you feel like <laughs> you just don't want to say it <laughs> um so dc uh, if you're listening if you're one of the two uh listeners when you collect this volume <laughs> just put superman batman adventures or something don't put it too thank you we do have a comment and it affirms that he is watching Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, um, 
my favorite, my favorite is Ra's al Ghul and all of the little Kandorians are ah, they're going in my ear. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great bit. The best bit is um, Batman throws the boom or batarang at Ra's al Ghul, and then later in the background, you see him pocking it, taking it outside out of his head. <laughs> that's the best bit. Yeah, it's. Oh, um, I didn't even. I, it's, I it's saw him toss bad. it into the back of his head, but I didn't see him pull it out. Yeah. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. I find it. <laughs> you see, it's a good. First of all, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So that <laughs> this is what makes this is what makes Nick Darrington so amazing. That two-panel uh, transition of you know thwarting and then thunk is just <laughs> it's pacing that most artists don't. Uh, do as well and or or even understand like right exactly. it's, yeah it, uh, like for a lot of people the action would be uh, a second after this or a second before this not like that yeah. initial it, it, this is just so great this is so great that's why this book reads like an animated adventure like yeah. almost you can almost feel like you almost can feel the commercial break coming i mean that's how yeah. good this feels the only thing that would make this better as a comic book is if this two two issue story was already a huge omnibus in and uh, of itself. I'd drop a hundred dollars for it right now. I mean, I would, I would, uh, I would double and triple dip um, Batman Universe in absolute format. Mm-hmm. How yeah. beautiful would that be? I find it interesting how Dick Darrington, um, Dick. Nick? Nick. It's Dick Nick Darrington. Nick. Nick Darrington. Nick Darrington. Uh, <laughs> he, he does Batman and Superman both so well. I'll be back. And they look really good together. But they look like they are from slightly yeah. different traditions. Of, you know, Batman is this, like, noir character. They're both in their classic forms. And Superman is... It reminds me a little bit of Man for All Seasons. You know, he's in this very... Yeah... You know he's he's very iconic. Um, it's it's simple art and really good in its simplicity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's just fascinating how he puts them both together and they look at home near each other, but they are different. There's a lot of people who draw Batman and Superman with the exact same physique, and they just put a cowl on Superman, and now you've got yeah. Batman. I think of. Um, you know, the late Michael Turner, I always thought that, you know, his mm. physiques always looked the same, mm. but this Batman and this Superman are very different. He's like Superman, like a barrel chested fifties yep. Superman. And led the Superman from Superman for, um, or all-star Superman. Yeah. 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 It's those subtleties that bring the book to life. Yeah. Yeah. Far sector number five by NK Jemison and Jamal Campbell. The Mysteries of Sojourner Joe, Malene's origins and her recruitment into the Green Lantern Corps are finally revealed. Meanwhile, Joe's attempts to follow the money. It's complicated when she discovers the city enduring's form of cryptocurrency is mined by an underclass of artificial life forms. This book is so good. I had to stop in the middle of reading it uh, to talk to my wife, Sushan, who was sitting next to me on the couch and just like take her through what was, I don't know why I'm, miming i have the book take her through the book um and show her uh and it kind of explain the plot to her um that's how much i'm enjoying it and we finally get some origin work on sojourner which i i honestly i feel like we should have gotten more of this in like issue one like maybe even little nuggets um at latest last issue 
What? You know, I like last issue, I was a little like, all right, let's get into it, you know, and and then it did come in this issue. Yeah. But yeah. This is so good. This is probably one of my favorite of the year so far. Hmm. Um, what did you guys think? I liked it a lot. I like I said, I, we finally got some information. We didn't get everything, but I've really been wanting to know about like, what's her deal? What's the deal with the ring? The guard, the person who turned out to be the guardian, was cool. What a, what uh, a nice subtle, you know, uh, transition. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and wow. and well written, like the classic like guardian who is you know great and wise and doesn't understand the idiocies of <laughs> the human race. Yeah. You know, like the like, uh, aren't you black and alive? Why wouldn't you matter? Yeah, and she's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and it was nice to get. You know, even if we didn't get everything, we got uh, more info about why she's different and what her deal is. Um, and I found it to be very satisfying. I do wonder why she uses her ring on these kinds of constructs when she can't, she can't like recharge it at will. Mm-hmm. And she's making like a hat. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. You know, it's fine. And it looks cool. Um, you know, the book continues to look really awesome. I liked that we saw a daylight scene. It just struck me. I was like, oh, I don't think we've seen that before. You know, in the very beginning, hmm. um, I, think, I think Jamal and, Campbell is the is the rock star of this of this series. Just oh, he's so good. Out. Yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's really proceeding the pace. I think it's it's very interesting take. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's not a wrong step, too many wrong steps in here. I mean, uh, I do think that the book as a whole still would read so much better as just a. Um, like an original graphic novel as opposed to mm. Quenchel, you know, like uh, like this is. But if that's your only knock, yeah, is, right. then you're really doing some good stuff. The art is on point. I think um, Jemison is is uh, learning the pacing of of a comic book as she goes along, um, and thus the 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 book is becoming less wordy um, mm. and less exposition and more dialogue, more personality driving the story, which is why I didn't mind that we didn't learn her origin until now. And I liked the way that it kind of naturally flowed. It didn't stop, you know, you didn't feel like it just, all right, it's time for the origin. No, it kind of like just flowed. You're reading into it. Um, I, I, and the, the Jamal Campbell, like you said, it, it is, like if he's not artist of the year of 2020, I don't know who is. I mean, because about Nick Harrington. Nick Harrington? Uh, <laughs> Here's the reason why I, I would take Jamal Campbell over Nick mm. Darrington. Nick Darrington's the beast. He is mm. the beast. But what Nick Darrington is, is he's giving you great art that reminds you of the great art of old. Jamal Campbell is doing something totally different. Yeah. If you yeah. said it's gonna be a different kids book. You you think okay, it's going to be a, you know going to have the green shields and the constructs. He's totally um, retweaked it. You know, mm-hmm. times I I have to look and say, oh yeah, that's right. This is a Green Lantern. I kind of remember, you know. Yeah. So in yeah. the world building in here is so spot on um for a comic book that doesn't hold your hand it just gives it to you and realize and realizes that you will catch up with what is going on if i'm this well enough um i enjoyed 
I'm enjoying every bit of this. The only thing I'm not enjoying it is reading this for spoiler alert because I just would just yeah read it and wait for the trade. Yeah, if I if I had if I had my say, which I probably don't with you guys, I would actually just stockpile the next five or six issues because I the only thing that I do have a problem with is the fact that um, this feels like it's not paced for issues; it's paced for. Mm-hmm. Um, a more like immersive story, just mm-hmm. like uh, like I have the same kind of issue with uh, Batman's Grave. It's enjoyable mm-hmm. if you like mainline five or six issues, but when you're just reading it, it's it's got really ineffective uh, issue breaks. Yeah, uh, it like it just it feels like it's not supposed to be in this format. Yeah. So, That's something we with a few right. Like just yeah. recently, people who were novelists, there was somebody from like last week or two weeks ago that was a novelist and was transitioning, you know, was going to, oh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm-hmm. I think you guys were talking about earlier stuff that he had written or something some, like that. Some of the early Black Panther stuff was was very um, storied as opposed to letting the right. art do the work. And the it was told in more like a five issues kind of a thing mm-hmm. as opposed to a single chapter that's sustainable in itself, which is the trick of comics, right? Like mm-hmm. if it should be issues, if it should be issues, then those issues should technically be able to stand on their own as a beginning, middle, yeah. and end with with a with a step into the next issue. Um, yeah. Who's Brian K. Vaughn was like is like a master of it, being able to tell you like something that's satisfying, but then also wanting. Yeah, I think that's I think the, like standard. I think the same um, criticism was was leveled against uh, TV shows when TV shows started to be more ep- uh, less episodic and more like continuing story. And you know, now some of them are like better in, in streaming or DVD more than some, that's <laughs> you know, because you could, that's because you could binge them. That's because it's the, the right. viewing format is completely different where you're allowed to just take in as right. much as you want. And you, but it happened before, the, you know what I mean? It happened when it, when binging wasn't possible yet. It happened in like the late nineties, early two thousands. And I just think a similar thing has happened in comics for a while where, you know, I mean, there's a, like trade waiting is a term. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, just noticing that I think sometimes people do write for the trade nowadays. Um, and sometimes maybe people like who used to be novelists are doing it not on purpose. They're just more more used to writing in a longer format, a different medium. Right on. Uh, hey, Brian. Hey. Do you know what time it is? It's TV. roughly 11.52. Yeah, and that means time for <laughs> a thunder round. Yes. Um, so, Len, what is a Thunder Round? A Thunder Round is a 60-second review of a comic book by one of your spoilers on your screen. Yeah. Oh, my spoilers. Are we the spoilers? We are is the spoilers. We, 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 spoil, we spoil life for you. Like each of us, the spoiler alert is like, we're coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, Brian, you're up first with Flash number 752 by Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter. I have put one minute on the clock. Here it is. And go. All right. So, uh, you know, this book was this book was all right. It was an issue of the Flash. And so I'm into that. But um, there, you know, he's stuck in the speed force. Or, no, he's not in the speed force. He's in some area. And it's it looks like it's heaven. And it's not, and everybody knows it's not, and it's not his mom, you know. And so that didn't have a lot of, a lot of um, dramatic tension. 
And then he needs to avoid the energies of this realm, so he covers himself in some metal. And that is, yeah, there you go. The metal's lighter. And the metal does the trick. I don't know why, but we were discussing before the show that it was, uh, would you say, JD, Barry Allen Aluminium? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some sort, of, some sort of flash metal. And he finds a cosmic treadmill in the rubble, right? So that's good. I don't know why that is still there. But he gets on the cosmic treadmill. He couldn't travel through time before, but now he can. It's dangerous, though. But he's going to do it. And Endoron. Actually, I think I called it Barry Aluminum. Barry Aluminum. Dan, yeah. My apologies. How dare you? <laughs> All right. Noel, you're up. Are you ready? I guess not. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> I was just, I, I was trying sure. to, I was trying I wasn't to really, sure if the, the broadcast stalled. I was trying to really soak <laughs> in that, that flash review because I had my own emotions about that book. <laughs> All right. You're up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ongoing number 104, 60 seconds on your clock. Oh, by Sophie Campbell, writer and artist. Go. Um, so uh, I have been reading this uh, series on a whim since like issue 97 or 96, just to kind of like dip my toes in. And for some reason, I this affected me more than like anything else I read this week. It was oddly emotional. I didn't realize that when I was reading a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle book, it would turn into a um, like a teen drama. Uh, Splinter died and the four sons are still mourning and they separate and come together and New York is, is quarantined, uh, which is relatable. Um, and because it's quarantined, they're able to do things that they wouldn't be able to do before, like go to a concert and really like be out in public and, and the effectiveness and the emotionality of that was just, it was palpable. Uh, I really enjoyed this issue. I, I wasn't expecting a, uh, like a teenage, uh, drama or or effective uh, an effective um, drama with this end book. of round. Were you expecting a middle aged drama? No, <laughs> I wasn't expecting a drama at all. <laughs> I wasn't um, expecting to feel. Ooh, what you hey, felt? I guess I guess I have to time myself because I'm up next. Does anyone else want to time me? Yeah, I'll time okay. you. Oh, Hang on a second. I'll use my chronometer here. All right, you ready, JJ? I'm ready. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing star number three by Kelly Thompson, Javier right. Pina, and Felipe Andrade. Right. Okay. Now I'm going to go. Start. I messed Begin. it up. So uh, this, book is, this book is awesome. I love this book. I'm really surprised at how much I'm enjoying this. Uh, it's, it's spun out of the Captain Marvel series by Kelly Thompson. And basically we've got Riley Ripley. No, Riley. What's your name? Ripley Ryan, and she is sort of a villain, um, but she is trying to figure herself out because she now has the Reality Stone, one of the Infinity Gems, locked within herself, and she's trying to figure out how to use it. Of course, other people are trying to get it, including the Black Order from Thanos, if you remember that guy and his little minions. They're trying to get the stone. Um, Scarlet Witch has appeared and is trying to help her out. Um and she believes that, you know, Ripley Ryan can be turned to the good side, um, you know, since, you know, Scarlet Witch used to be bad and Quicksilver were bad. And now they're heroes. So she's hoping she could follow their um, their footsteps. Uh, Captain Marvel's in here. The Black Order. The art is wonderful. This book is just and around. It's great. The time is up. <laughs> it was a cool uh, twist at the end uh, of that one where she's like, oh. Wait, I wouldn't be scared anymore if Captain Marvel was dead. Yeah, 
yeah, it was an interesting uh, peek into her mental state and motivations. I, I really do like this. I, I like this this series. This is fun. Um, I didn't want there to be like a rematch so quickly. I was more in, invested in Star kind of becoming the antihero that she's probably going to end up becoming before doing this. But it's still it's still fun to read. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm sad that it's only five issues. Oh, is that so? I didn't yeah. realize it was. Yeah. yeah All right. Let's move uh, back into the regular reviews with Legion of Superheroes number five by Brian Michael Bendis and Ryan Sook. DC's far-flung future is happening right now. With the secret of John Kent revealed, the Legion of Superheroes is united to save New Earth from those who would destroy it. Will Aquaman's lost trident be the key to New Earth's demise? Plus, Monel comes clean about his connection to John, and Cosmic Boy and Pharaoh Lad find out they both have a crush on the same Legionnaire. None of this happened. What? This is like a fanciful interpretation of something that could happen in the Legion of Superheroes comic. Yeah. But not this one. Unbelievable. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, none of that happened. What was the last thing? It was still good. Was Parallax yeah. in the comic? I, I, no, but I want to hear, I want to hear, uh, Len, the um, local Legionnaire's thoughts of this book. Um, Legionnaire expert, sorry. Well, well, I mean, Brian is also a Legionnaire expert. I mean, I have two Legion rings in this room right now. Yeah, I, I got my Legion ring on my key ring. So, um, uh, sweet. Oh, that's even better than me. <laughs> but he liked I, the Flash seven fifty two. So I'd want to hear from. That's right. That's, that's true. So that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep that in mind. When yeah, you I mean, we're standards and practices. I'd like to hear from Len first. Yeah, it, for the rest of time, right? Like the rest All of our. Considered. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was one of those one strikes and you're out kind of thing. <laughs> Everything else is suspect. Yeah. 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 Like the baseline uh, was in the like state. And then after uh, that, it's just like, okay. Yeah. And I like, and I like of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Go on, JD. Len, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the, how JD still like, we've got a show to do. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're doing it live. It's not about Nolan Bryan's friendship. <laughs> this is about <laughs> the the, um, the 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 rubble with which our friendship is built upon because you enjoyed Flash Seven Fifty Two. Yeah. As a longtime Legion fan, um, and grew up historically that the Legion was, you know, inspired by the legend of Superboy. I liked how this issue actually gives you the reason why this Legion is inspired by John Kent's Superboy. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I've enjoyed that. So this book was like a, a, a bit of a game changer for the series. Like it, it kind of, it gave us a lot more meat than the other issues have. And this was really, really fun. Yeah, that John it, Kent is the true Superman is just awesome. It's, it's great. It's great. It's, it's, it's um, I love the, the, the reworking of their origin, mm -hmm. you know, with the with the the same three Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, um, you know, saving RJ Brand, but now this it's it's a it's the president who is still the parent of Chameleon Boy, even though yeah. it's the mother. So I like that. Um I like how everybody's personality is like they have their own distinct personality. Um, I like that they're unsure of themselves. You know, they're unsure of being superheroes. 
there's even questioning what is a superhero, what yeah. does it mean? So you're, um, because in, in old times, the Legion was already a thing when they went and got Superboy. Now yeah. it's, you know, we can't be a thing without Superboy, you know? Hmm. I loved, uh, I loved um, the idea that, so this, this bureaucracy empowered youth. Mm -hmm. And the, the uh, I guess, just like inherent nobleness of the youth yes. realized that the bureaucracy wasn't necessarily the right way to go. And in their, in their just like altruistic kind of idea, they, en they ended up employing pretty much the smartest being of all time. Right. And then just went by what he said. Yeah. It was, just, it, like it was, it was almost like, um, I love the idea, the, the conflict of this organization thinking that they're appeasing uh, mm -hmm. the powerless when really they're essentially seeding their usurpers, I guess you could probably say. Like, you know what it reminded me of? Cool. You know these kids reminded me of these kids, <laughs> these crazy legionaries. Yeah. They reminded me of, remember, I guess now is almost two years ago, a year or so ago, when, you know, we had, you know, unfortunately really bad, you know, mass shootings down in Florida. And then you had like a whole group of kids from there who were like going to Washington and they were talking to trying to get them to the gun laws and everything no, no. like that. And they were just kept butting heads. Marjorie um, Stillman Douglas. Right. And you right. can almost imagine like if those kids had the powers of the Legion, this is what they would do. I mean, if those kids were just given legislative power to shut them up, they would. Yes. They would actually like incite change, which would have been detrimental to uh, pre-existing establishments, which yeah. is kind of like what we're reading here. I wonder if that's, I want like knowing Bendis, I wonder if scenarios like that in recent history have been inspiring this. I wouldn't, I thought it was cool that uh, John Kent asks when he goes back into the instructional, you know, in Cerebro, uh, mm -hmm. Cerebro, uh, Computo. Uh, into back into Computo, and he says, "I can get it from anybody's point of view, right? Let me get it from the from R.J. Brand's point of view. Yeah, you know, uh, insightful choice to make to see what the other side is thinking in the the other side of the conflict is experiencing. Yeah, um, with an eye to Superman. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I love that. I also like oh, the no, theory in this book that this world, this legion that we are creating." This this reality will survive as long as the Superman of right. our reality. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's basically been just saying, like, as long as I'm on Superman, Legion is good to go. He's letting people know the book will be around as long as I'm hmm. here um, manning the Superman universe. Also, um, I, I, I think I, that as sort of a correlation between. Um, uh, this book and Doomsday, Doomsday Clock. Clock and how, yeah. you know, the sort of what they were talking about in Doomsday Clock where Superman is the crux of everything before and after in the DC universe. And whenever things happen to Superman, everything shifts. Uh, oh, and I yeah. thought this was well, a little I, bit of that. I meant that too, but I thought yeah. on a meta level, he was talking yeah. about the book yeah, as well. I was thinking yeah. even more metatextual of um, as long as Superman survives and Superman being like the epitome of storytelling as long as that survives whatever we're dealing with will will get through 
Mm-hmm. I took it like that in like a super high level kind of way about like the the, uh, the art of storytelling and the um, the the value in culture. This book is fantastic. Um, I, up until this point, I have found that it felt a little bit um, uh, disconnected and everything, but this this issue was fantastic. I love it, and I'm, I'm finally starting to learn who the Legionnaires are. I've always found the Legion universe to be a little um, Impenetrable, impenetrable, mm. uh, yeah. Um, so the, I'm finally starting to learn the personalities and the names of these characters, which helps a good deal. Um, yeah. I think Bendis has made this very um, accessible, and they're and pretty I- true to their personalities, you know, that have been established over the years while still being their own. Like Brainiac Five, especially, is like quintessentially Brainiac Five, but he's got a different twist than other previous versions of Brainiac Five, you know. And I think Venice is doing a, a great job, yeah. you know, honoring what the Legion establishment already is, but doing a new thing. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to Road to Empire by Robbie Thompson, Matia de Lulis, Javier Rodriguez, and Alvaro Lopez. Empire is coming. The buildup to Marvel's massive event series of the spring begins here. But in actuality, it began a millennia ago with a challenge on the moon. In the wake of incoming, everything has changed for the Kree and the Skrulls. And out in the cold on Earth, the Warner family need to work out what has happened and what it means for the future of their family and their race. So, all right, for anyone who did not read, which I think is most people, um, there was a miniseries called Meet the Skrulls last year. I did not read this book. Did anyone here read this book? I I know two issues of it, and I really liked it. I just yeah. haven't gone back. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty impenetrable. This story started a millennia ago. <laughs> you got. I mean, how are we going to at this point? <laughs> but um, as somebody who never knew about the Creed Scroll War and the intricacies of that um, and sort of the origins of the Cree and the Scrolls, this was a wonderful uh, introduction to all of that. I, I think it was great. Yeah, this is proof that you cannot judge a book by its cover because looking at the cover to this comic book, I was like, ah, I do not want to read <laughs> this corny piece of tripe. But um, I was I was sucked into the this family of scrolls, these women, um, the life that they were living. Um, I was emotionally um, like sucked in. I was I was I was like nervous for their survival you know um i the artwork is outstanding the storytelling is spot on um and that even goes into when it changes to another artist for the flashback sequences which looks kind of like classic 50s um marvel a little bit with a little bit of um today's aesthetic i have um, it on i have it in large format over there if you want to see it javier um, rodriguez no, no, that's fine. This was enough. Um, this was this was great. This was, I did not expect to care, never mind about the story, but about uh, but about these characters. Um, but and especially their scrolls, because if you're a longtime Marvel reader, scrolls have been you've been trained to like scrolls are the e- evilest thing in the universe, or one of them. Um, but they've been flipped on their head in recent times, and this continues that flip. Um, and I is that from the movie? 
from the Captain Marvel movie? Was that the yeah. origination? The, a okay. little bit, but this no, has been happening for a little bit. No, I'm sorry. Oh, no, this has been happening. You were about to say this has been happening in the comics for a little longer than Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, okay. The idea of a um, a conflicted scroll is not new, uh, but mm-hmm. making it a kind of like a sleeper cell family that's embedded going native is, is different, which is really, really cool. This yeah. is, I, uh, do you guys remember the details of incoming that book that was really tough to read? Did you finish uh, it? I remember basically Thea, uh, Theodore, is that his name? Uh, the Hulkling from young yeah. Avengers um, hmm. winds up becoming uh, the uh, king of the, he, he's able to bring together somehow the scrolls and the Cree. Yeah. And he seems to be the king of all of them now. Yeah. Huh. The king of, they're calling it the union, I think, but more so than that, like that, if, if you, it was a hard book to get through, but the whole second half was actually this, the, um, the idea of those two uh, warriors having to fight for, oh. you know, so that's not an old time. That, that's it, not like a silver age thing. It is, but oh, okay. that was continued. Um, so they had been working together in secret for a long time to kind of create this union and um, uh, murdered somebody and all kinds of other things. But it ended with the scroll trying to tell the Fantastic Four what's going to happen or what's happening. And a bunch of trees and plants just grew out of him and he exploded. Yeah. So now we're getting the history uh, or a reminder of the history of the Katati, a plant-based life form mm-hmm. and their role within this Kree scroll kind of union and that they've been planted all over the galaxy, including earth. I think this is, um, they're not necessarily coming to fight humans. They're coming to maybe fight the Katati, which I think is really cool. Like mm-hmm. again, it's, it's a, it's a rehash of the same thing. The Kree scroll war, like they, the battle is between them, but it's, waged on earth and we all suffer it's i think it's just a rehash of that in a, in a good way like in a in a good remixed me- a song kind of way where now maybe it's the katati that have been infiltrating earth and they've decided that's the battleground and the korean scroll are coming to fight them because this whole time teddy has never said he's going to come and kill humans or fight the earthlings it's just we're going to earth yeah yeah this is, this is really cool Mostly the good guys, you know. Oh. They definitely seem to be on the moral high ground. The Katati. Um, I mean, back then they did, but so, like this, this points out too that even the scroll were peaceful. Good point. Ago. Yeah, uh, I like that page that JD was holding up with the first emperor in the in the center there. Um, I also like Ivy's cat. I think it's Ivy, the youngest one of them. Yeah. I like that she, you know, cautioning. Uh, to work together and peace and that kind of thing. This uh, artwork, it's good. Uh, the, about the meet the scrolls, like the the modern day artwork. It, yeah. I mean, so so good. Uh, Mattia De Lulis, I think is the name. Mm-hmm. The, the acting, the backgrounds, the mm-hmm. layouts, the the facial structure, the shading, the coloring. This is top notch art, and I it, it really works. I think well with Javier Rodriguez's art. Um, and, uh, you know, I think them sharing the art duties really works well with the classic. Um, he said duty. The classic, the classic prequel stuff with the current stuff. Uh, the two art styles are perfectly aligned for those two uh, segments. You talked about how the acting looks good. There's the, the segment in the comic that is set inside a car yep. and driving along. And 
the art plus the the acting on the art, the coloring, the 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 effects of the lighting in there, the 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 rain on the windows, you feel mm. like you are in a car. It it could almost be like a scene from a movie. It is it's so mm. effective. This is better than it ever needed to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had no intentions on reading this book. I thought it was going to be a book of reprints that I wasn't going to care about. And this mm. is how you do a lead-in to a big um, event book. Uh, if there's a lot of history that you need to catch people up on, this is a masterclass on how to do that. This was fantastic. It was engaging. I'm actually kind of curious about Empire now, which I wasn't yeah. before. Didn't this care before. Yeah. This is kind of cool now. Yeah. I didn't know Hulkling was Marvell's son. I had no idea. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, Have you ever the, read Young Avengers? I did read Young Avengers, but yeah. I think the first—I don't know—I remember it was unrevealed who he was for a while, and yeah. then it was revealed that he was part Cree and maybe part Skrull at the at like that reveal came at the same time. But I don't think they immediately said who his you know who his parentage was. Maybe I don't, it and if they did, I just don't remember. I think it might have happened. Um, oh, and a troll princess. We're being told yeah. we have we uh, have a myth. Huh. Didn't it happen during Secret Invasion? Maybe one of the tie-ins where they established his um, lineage. Maybe doesn't look that up. Let's see. We have live letters. John <laughs> Gates says, and a scroll, a scroll princess. Yeah, scroll princess. He's royalty. Yeah, 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 I yeah. didn't remember that. It's been so long since I read Young Avengers um, that I I remembered that the Hulkling. It was like oh. Is he somehow related to the Hulk? And then it was a big reveal right. that he was a scroll or part scroll. Yeah. But I did not remember the Captain Marvel um, connection. No, me either. That was a really good book, though, with all the different like, well, they look like they're with this. You know, they look like they're related to this Avenger, but they're this or, mm -hmm. you know, all the or the ones that were <laughs> who they seem to be related to. Um, and I, I have a soft spot for those characters. So I'm interested in in what he's up to. Hopefully he's still a good guy. So wait a minute. Sean says, and a scroll princess. Who's the yeah. scroll princess? Uh, the, yeah, emperor's, the emperor's daughter. Uh, Anel. Uh, Ananel, A-N-N-E-L. It's actually in here, too. Oh, okay. Those are Teddy's parents, uh, Captain Marvel, and then the scroll princess. And when the scroll princess. I thought he was saying that Teddy was the scroll princess. And I, I, thought, know. I thought they were it making a comment. I thought it was a comment on gender. Gender's a construct. He's a, he's a shapeshifter. That's what I thought. That's what I thought it was saying. Yeah. No, no I don't think so. the princess. Yeah. Although uh, one would imagine a shape-shifting people would feel very differently about these kinds of things. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think they wouldn't give a shit. Probably. Yeah. It might not even register as something that you could care about. Um, you know, it, it might fascinate them that we were so concerned about our physical forms. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know who is the creative team um on Empire? Everyone? So the um, the uh, initial the actual main book is co-written by Dan Slott and Al Ewing because it's an Avengers Fantastic Four event. So oh. they're, they're double doing they're double dutying the main title and then doing their Avengers and Fantastic Four titles that are tying in, mm -hmm. and then just all the other just like a normal event, all the other little ancillary books are handled by their respective teams. I was doing my previews order for my comic shop this week. <clears throat> And there are so many tie-ins to this Empire event. It's infuriating. Um, yeah. As a retailer, 
This is nigh unmanageable. I have mm. no idea. I have one, I have two people who are like, I know they're going to want all of the um, ancillary tie-ins for Empire. Yeah. Otherwise, I have no idea how to order this book. I'm just mm. probably going to order the main Empire series and try a handful of the little minis uh, and one shots. This I hate. I hate the way they do these sorts of events with um, you know 50 different tie-in books. It's infuriating. So I my general rule of thumb is to not like when I am interested in an event is not to do all of it just to do the main book and potentially the main tie-in whereas whatever group or character is the primary focus of the event their main title because so avengers fantastic four yeah so like i i'm sure somebody i'm sure people can get away with just doing empire and then avengers fantastic four if they really really wanted to um i think we all agreed (laughs) this book was dope I agree. Yes. yes. Yeah, this is this is uh, an, a great way to start off a uh, big event for Marvel. Um, it really sort of gave you all of the information you needed in a really palatable and accessible way to check out, hopefully, Empire, which is hopefully going to be good. Um, I can't speak to that, but I thought this was a great intro to it. Let's move on to Hellions, number one, which is the new... X-Men book from the House of X, Powers of X, or Powers of Ten. Um, uh, X-Men genre, subgenre, I guess. Um, By Zeb Wells and Steven Segovia, bad is the new good. When Krakoa opened their doors to all mutants and forgave all past crimes, they might have known they'd have to accept some of their worst foes into the fold, but they didn't plan for what to do with them. Womp, womp. Didn't they? Uh, Seemed as though they did. What's that? It seemed as though they did. Oh, like yeah, before. Before. I didn't read this book. No, they, they didn't. And this is the plan. No, I mean, before, like, you know, they were like, we're going to bring Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister in. And here's what we're going to do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those are their worst. Well, I mean, I mean, Apocalypse and Sinister are um, emotionally manageable. These are legitimately troubled sociopaths. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Did you guys notice on the first page, there is Apocalypse's head... In like the second panel, there is the face of Apocalypse on the back have, of this guy. So this is a cult that has Apocalypse as a tattoo on the back of their head. Yeah, what is go. it like a Kaaba or something like that? Uh, either mm-hmm. who um, who all read this? I know I, I Brian, you read this also. Uh, I also read this. Not I. No, I did not read this. Um, Brian, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was fine. It was interesting. It was, um, I think. Havoc's head deals are too close to his head, you know. Uh, that's the worst goddamn costume in the world. The I hate it. I hate I know. it so much. I know that you do. I, it's funny, too, because, like, I, I was, I, you know, with all this extra time, I was going through my shelves, and I found my hardcover of uh, The Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire, yeah. which is um, Brubaker's run on X-Men, and it's about Havoc. His costume was awesome. It was just, like, a headpiece that wasn't the weird... I don't know. Gyro thing. It was, and he had, it was just so much better than this garbage. Either way, that's like the least important thing of the book. Um, True. This was fine. Um, It was so boring up until Sinister showed up. And then it was really, really fun. And then when (laughs) you find out what the whole conceit of this team is, it went back to being lame. (laughs) The conceit is like, the fact that they would give Sinister, 
yeah, the fact that they would give Sinister a emotionally unstable and incredibly dangerous team just in the purposes of maybe it would help them and give them an outlet is yeah. stupid. It's yeah, why wouldn't you give somebody like somebody who was themselves stable and not a murderous person? Which you would think would be a, a good choice. Uh, I, I don't I don't um inherently understand the conceit. It's it's like um I know all stories are fabricated to get to a point. It's just it some if it's done well, you don't see the seams. This just feels like what if we did this and this and it'll be cool for this. Like it, yeah. it feels manufactured more than just organic and, and it makes sense, it's like, you know. It's like a side team X-Men book. You know, yeah, which they reverse they were it was a, a like a, a storytelling exercise of like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had this person and this person and this person in a room? Yeah. And they reverse engineered that the laziest way possible to wow. the point where it didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that that the Quiet Council would be totally cool giving Sinister to do whatever he wants with five yeah. murderers and Psylocke. It's yeah. true. It makes no sense. Now, but no, also, let me ask you this. Zeb Wells is the writer, and he generally has a flair for humor in his comic books, yeah. uh, historically. Is, is this a funny book, at least? It, it is when Sinister's there. Yeah. It's okay. really, really funny. So they're sitting on the Quiet Council. I forgot the... Who's the other... The purple guy with the big epaulets? Uh, what is it? Oh, oh, you mean um, the guy from the Astrodam, uh, Exodus? Exodus? Yeah. Is that is it? Um, yeah. Sinister makes a lot of jokes and makes fun of him about his uh, shoulder accoutrement and how yeah. they will battle do based off that. Like, don't test me. It's incredibly funny. Every time Sinister is here, it's hilarious. It's not, it's just, it's a very small piece of the book. I don't, yeah. I just don't buy this concept. I view it a little you? more charitably. Like I totally agree with, with all of your comments about it. It just didn't bother me as much. It seemed like, oh, it's an X-Men. It's a group of it's a group of mutants. They're with the X Men now. You know they're going to be up to something. Not the kind of book that I would be drawn to, but um, you know, might I might have I I might have bought this a little bit more if it was more of like a like a Thunder Buddy kind of thing. Like if they teamed these people up explicitly with someone else, almost a like thunder? a partnership kind of thing. A partnership, a Thunder Buddy, a a, a pal. Not to be confused with a thunder round. No, yeah. thunder buddy. We, we both review a book for only 60 seconds. <laughs> but it's the same 60 seconds. Yeah. And you got to fight each other the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like a, like a, almost if, if this was more of a partnership program, hmm. I, I think I would almost buy that more. Whereas, like, like, you brother, put, like a big brother. Yeah, you put kind of thing. Psylocke with the creepy empath kid. You put um, yeah. Havoc with the, instead of. They came cool. up with a weird reason. Yeah, they came up with a weird reason that Havoc is now broken. I, I don't remember any of that. Like, the only thing that I could remember of him being in a bad way was after Rick Remender's run and Axis, which I didn't think we were even counting anymore in the Marvel Universe. Um, Axis, ugh. Yeah, he, like, went bad for a second. Uh, hey, but Everybody was going bad. This is This is so half-baked it feels i don't know I, i'm sure there's people that really enjoy it and love these characters but i didn't know anything about them in my head um havoc's uh headpiece yeah. just it all in my head was just like flappy paper <laughs> no really <laughs> <laughs> you just always saw it when you constantly going in the wind i'm gonna find you know? it like when he turns his head quickly it kind of jiggles yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, I've never liked Havoc's, Havoc's outfit. It's very dumb looking. I always, I, I do like it. Um, but I, you know, it's not for everyone. Alec yeah. Summers and me, and maybe Polaris <laughs> seems to be into it. <laughs> yeah, it's real dumb. It's it's real, <laughs> real dumb. I guess we're just waiting for Noel to get something. He I mean, wants to get a version of Havoc from no. the, um, I moved it. I don't know where it is. Okay. Let's move on to X-Men number nine by John Hickman and... <laughs> John Hickman? Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> J. J-H? J. Hicks? Lionel... Lionel... Lionel Francis Yu. John Hickman and Lionel Francis Yu. The new mutants are back from space, and they've brought intergalactic trouble with them. The brood, the Sha'ar... The Star Jammers, the Imperial Guard. That's that's all it says. Do you say Shi'ar? I always said Shi'ar. Shi'ar. Hmm, interesting. You always said what? Shi'ar. Shi'ar. Oh, Shi'ar. Yeah, Shi'ar. yeah. That's you know, you don't know, especially when you're a kid and there's like one X Men cartoon on. You don't know how things are pronounced. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was much more. This was uh, a lot of fun. I really yeah. enjoyed this. Um. And I did not know much about the um, egg. The what was it called? King, the king egg. The king egg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a lot of fun. This this series seems to be congealing a little bit better than some of the other series. What do you would you guys think, Len? It was fun. It was good art. It's it's a fun story. It's a fun read. Um, it's fun. Ultimately, it's it's like a I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's not, it tastes good, but at the end of the day, it's just still just flaky goodness that just quickly dissipates. Is this um, junk food? This is junk food for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I liked it. So of of my X Men, it's probably one of my the more fun reads for me. But at the end of the day, I'm like, ah, I'm I'm sorry. I'm so I guess after after being sucked into the joyous animated adventure of Batman Superman after getting sucked into and against my own will, the, the drama and suspense of road to empire and being immersed joyfully in the denseness, but um, very palatable and relatable uh, science fiction of Legion, I come to the X-Men and sometimes the the dialogue feels like it's real, real like talking above my head for no reason, just to show that he can he can write three, you know, three dollar words. Um, the action is like it's okay. But the characters do I really care about? Because it's still Scott Summers, who to me is one of the lamest mutants. Um, I, it, the art is breathtaking, is good, but it still, for some reason, leaves me a little cold. I, I don't know. I just, just, I like it, but it's like, hmm, okay. Yeah, the artwork is a, a little loose for my taste. Hmm. Um, again, I don't know if that's the inker or what, but the the 
Francis Yu's um, art is a little little too loose for me. Um, otherwise, I think it's fun. Uh, it's not knocking my socks off. As the main X-Men book, it's still not my favorite X-Men book. It should be, um, especially since it's you know written by John Hickman uh, and right. I, I thought it would deal with more Hoxpox stuff. Um, but I do I do think it's enjoyable, but it's yeah, it's not anything to write home about. So I think it is dealing with the Hoxpox stuff, at least thematically, just not the Moira stuff. Like this is yeah. it's literally everything except the Moira stuff is is kind of that was happening. Such a, a mind catching part of it though. You know, it really was well, a I big think, book for it. I, they didn't let it go. It's just probably yeah. gonna show up a little later. This is we're oh. still only like nine issues in. It feels like a deluge of X Men books because it is. Yeah. But it's really only nine issues in. Yeah. It it hasn't I think we've said this before, but the X books have not carried forth the momentum of Hoxpox as we all thought they would. Um, you know, we set up the X Marks the X Bot Corner Roundup Review Summit Club Symposium showdown or whatever it was. It. Yeah. Thinking that it would that it would be this cohesive story. And it just hasn't been that. Yeah. Um I, which is a little disappointing, but not necessarily the fault of individual Was that was that was that your guys' expectation? I thought so. Oh, and one of our viewers, Sean, asks, "What do you think the end game is that he is heading for?" Oh, I don't. I don't presume. I don't know. I don't know. I have well, no I idea. Think, Hang on. Yeah, I, I, I thought like, it was going to be. What's that? I, I was thought waiting it was for be, you to finish. <laughs> I thought it was going to be an exploration of like the themes of Hoxpox with Moira and the far, like the very distant future, and in some way maybe like the last of her lives or if that does or does not turn out to be the last of her lives. Um, and I guess I thought the end game would have something to do with that. And it still met. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, 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 so not even to answer that question, my expectations when they announced seven books mm. was that it wasn't going to be a direct continuation right away of Hawks mm. box. That was just a primer, a, a, a groundwork. And then the only book that will probably deal with the ramifications and or Themes of Hoxpox was this one, and it has. Hmm. So, yeah, but the uh, difference is, is that one when they announced the seven books, I thought that that was probably five or four or five yeah. books too many. Agreed. Because coming out with them, because well, because because you know Hoxpox centralized the world of X Men so much that if now you have to spread that out over seven issues, seven yeah. different comic books, you have what you have happening. You have characters appearing in more than one books, and which means they're out of timeline with everything else that's going on. This, um, It's fine that they have to, they're carrying their own storylines, but if you're gonna carry their own storylines, then it should move far field of, you know, Krakoa or in that world, such as like to me, Excalibur, is moved mm. left. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And the other book the other books are so still tied into it that it just becomes like this big, you know, mess of a map. And, and it's a time map as well, not just a map of space. Yeah. Oh, I remember that costume. That was a that was a good costume for Havoc. Oh, not well, JD infinitely has it, better. Noel, this is the costume during the Brubaker X-Men era. And yeah. this was like the last one that was good. Everything after that with that stupid headpiece is hot garbage. Well, Sean, 
Um, he, he said that Havoc has had the same costume since forever. And I wanted to point out this lovely little thing from the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I always do like a a 2D thing on a 3D, you know, as like a power effect or whatever. Um, yeah, that's, oh, that's got, what is that one? Was that from the comics? Uh, Uncanny X Men. That's, oh. that's Tron. Put that back up, JD. Put that back up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all this, all this uh, Philip Tan, Brubaker stuff is so much better. I mean, his headpiece thing is a very long running part of his look, though. Yeah, the, the headpiece is iconic. Like that, yeah. piece, the one he just showed iconically that, trash. Okay, true, true. But I like his headpiece. <laughs> the one you're showing is very, is is is, it's very generic to me. Hmm. There's so, no headpiece, right? It's, yeah, so it's cool, but it's like it ain't really doing nothing different. Hmm. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, people wear what they wear. Character, period. Yeah. So, uh, you know, respectfully, you're all fucking wrong. Oh, thank you, Noel. For your respect. This is an all ages show, Noel. This hasn't been all ages since the third minute. Oh, oh, it's true. Oh, I. I am still enjoying these X, the X-Men main book. I don't think that it's diverged from Hoxpox, but it's hard to see that with eight other titles right. coming out four or five a week. Yeah. That's why it feels like it's, it's it, it, I think it just needs to be refocused. And I think I thought yeah. that these were supposed to be a bunch of minis, like kind of leaving and coming back or moving around. That happened with Fallen Angels, thank God. Uh, but these other ones that have taken off, like uh, Marauders and Excalibur, are telling their own stories that almost have nothing to do with Krakoa, which is fine. That's yeah. great. But oh, can I ask you guys a question? So um, uh, Gladiator is in many ways, you know, like a Superman analog. So now he has his kid around. And did you guys uh, catch an essence of 90s Superboy's goggles? In that, Yeah, that exactly. Do you remember when Superboy didn't have... Kryptonian powers, but he got these goggles that gave him like heat yeah. vision and X-ray vision. Nope. There, it happened, Noel. This was the real deal, and they looked a lot like that. <laughs> and I kind of wonder if that is uh, just no, like this a. Is what the, this is what the kid looked like in uh, Wolverine and the X-Men when they introduced him. Yeah. yeah, Jason hmm. Aaron, right? Yeah, but it would still apply, you know, because he's like a super boy. I mean, he's not a clone. I didn't think the Gladiator was a wasn't. Yeah, they're all a pastiche of the Legion, and Gladiator is the Superboy, you know. You mean the Legion? Superboy. The Legion of Superheroes. The League of the Legion. They are? The Legion. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Historically, when they were originally created, um, yeah. they were pastiches of the Legion of Superheroes, primarily because Dave Cockrum, when right. he created them, was just leaving yeah. Legion. So he... Did um, drew them off as pastiches and introduced some character designs that he what he uh, he right. saved. Are you yeah. suggesting that they reuse ideas in comic books? I was a pastiche. I was a pastiche. It's, it's different because it's uh, <laughs> it's oh, so He's got blue skin. Calm down. Yeah, I always thought it was cool that he's as powerful as his confidence is strong. I was like like that too. Yeah, yeah. It's a oh, cool is that the gladiators? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Kind of like yeah. Thor. Uh, yeah, kind of. That he's, if he's worthy. Yeah. You know, if he's worthy. Yeah. 
So that's the end of this this week's books, but we do have some more to discuss if you guys want to continue talking about um, sort of what's been going on in the comic book world. Uh, D- Diamond mm-hmm. Comics has stated that they will stop sending out new books. We can still do reorders with trade paperbacks and previous collections and omnibuses and all what have you. But as far as producing and shipping out new weekly books for the time being, those are on hold. Uh, a lot of publishers are doing really cool things like um, Boom is uh, doing some cool initiatives with retailers and uh, Black Mass Studios is doing a cool thing where if my customers go to blackmassstudios.com or whatever the URL is and order a book from them, they can uh, in the comments leave the name of my shop and Black Mass Studios will send me the half of the money that I would have received had they ordered it, had I ordered that book. Is Black Mask only for Kids Walking? I thought it was only those two books or is it all? No, no, it's all of their books. I think I was just saying four kids walk into a bank and um, we can never go home were my two recommendations because I love both of those books. Hmm. But yeah, Boom's also doing a similar thing, I think, as well as, um, I keep wanting to say THC. TKO. 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 Yeah. Yes, THC. Yeah. Well, TKO um, is actually a great segue because next week on Spoiler mm-hmm. Alert, ladies and gentlemen, we're actually going to review um, TKO books right here for your viewing pleasure. Because some people yeah. may not even know what TKO books are, but they are mm-hmm. really cool, dynamic comic books. <laughs> Well, the deal for TKO is they are a more recent publisher and they have a different initiative where they're doing what they are calling bingeable releasing. So whereas you can go into the comic shop on Wednesdays, or you used to be able to, and buy um, Superman every week uh, or every month, and then eventually you have uh, all six issues of the series and then maybe a trade paperback, TKO is doing the thing where they will release all six issues in a nice little um, slipcover edition, yes. as well as the trade paperback of that same series, as well as the digital version of that series, all on the same day. So if you're a comic reader and you prefer to have single issues, you can buy it that way. You can w- just buy the trade as one big uh, edition, hmm. or you can do it digitally. Very cool. Very, very interesting idea. Um, and I, I wonder how they're doing. Hmm. Oh, I should also mention, I'm sorry, before anyone, um, uh, they've got books by, um, what is that, Epting and Garth Ennis? Yeah. Yeah, they've they've got some pretty big names. Jeff Jeff Lemire, Ming Doyle. Hmm. Yep. So um, they've been doing it in phases. So like the first phase, I think it was four books, and the second phase was another four books. Um, And they're all different genres. There's like a Western, a sci-fi, a superhero one, a war story. and they're all by just creative teams. They'll release it all. Uh, uh, they do it in just chunks. But yeah. they, I don't know if you had mentioned already, JD. They're doing they're doing a similar thing to Black Mass Studios. Yeah, where if you order from them and then you write JD or Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex um, in your order, they they will send me the money as if I had ordered that book from them and sold it to you, the customer. That's which awesome. is very very cool. It's a very yeah. great way to help out your retailers. Yeah, um, and it's. Uh, uh, another, I think another publisher that that um, a lot of people online have just been like, oh, release it digitally, release it digitally. And a, a, a lot of publishers have, or at least I think Dark Horse has sworn not to release any yeah. new material during yeah. this shutdown. Whereas um, 
one of the big two wasn't that committal, wasn't that committed to not releasing new material. DC? Yeah. Yeah, well, DC has decided to... No, don't well. Hold on. They decided to create... They decided to... Um, they're looking into other forms of distribution, which is fine, and they should, but there are states that are completely shut down. So creating... Um, piecemeal distribution directly to retailers that still doesn't mean that people can get out of their houses to go get these comic books, Yep, which is still a problem and it will still create volatility because they have a stupid asinine distribution model that just has one rep, one stream, which doesn't make any sense. Well, so like, term, not that they haven't tried to develop. Yeah, I know long-term doing something like this is probably going to benefit like comic book shops. However, in the short mm -hmm. term, it's essential. It's potentially going to hurt a lot of comic shops because they won't be able to participate in this secondary type of distribution. And they've yeah. also said that at least for uh, this upcoming week, they will release a handful of their titles, new titles, digitally, mm -hmm. which yeah. is a little bit of a fuck you to shops that can't sell them yeah. at all. Yeah. So I'm I'm not super happy about that. No. Oh, my only well was that they did at least say that everything is fully returnable, which I thought, you know, like now through oh, a certain time. June. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying the full story, you know, is that I don't like it either. But I just thought that that was fair to mention that it's not just as usual that they are at least saying that you they are fully returnable. The digital thing doesn't apply at all. You know, I mean, re comic book retailers and comic book publishers have a much more intimate relationship than many retailers and producers have, you know, a much more coexisting kind of relationship. And I think it would be good for them all to do everything they can to, you know, make sure that everybody gets out of this well or okay, you know. Um, as a retailer, I was a little relieved. Uh, I was of two minds of it because I was relieved to hear that all of Diamond is going to be stop selling new comic books because that means that my small comic shop will not have to pay $1,600 to $2,000 a week to get new books in that I may or may not be able to sell using a mail-out service. Yeah. Um, I have moved to a mail-out um, sort of version of my shop. So I have my subscribers, I get the books in for them. I contact them, they Venmo me, and then I'm able to mail out their books. I was a little sad to hear like, okay, comic shops have, uh, I'm sorry, Diamond has stopped producing the books or shipping out the books, but that means I don't have to spend 1600 to $2,000 a week. Right. Um, and I can focus on just paying the rent right. and mm -hmm. staying open uh, keeping my comic shop, you know, afloat and alive. Exactly. But now, if if some uh, some uh, publishers are going to be sending out books like DC or Marvel, but other ones aren't, it, it messes everything up. It, it gets yeah. rid of the, you know, at least there was cohesion in the industry. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, well, you can buy these books if you want. Hopefully you can sell them. If you can't, you can return them. But also you still have to pay for them. You had to pay two thousand dollars to get the books. Yeah. Wow. Also, too, uh, like it, it. Yeah, having them returnable is great. However, what other format of of entertainment is so present as a weekly? Like, there's nothing else other than like maybe TV shows. But those are also rewatchable. Like, 
the shelf life of a comic book issue is very minimal. Like it's two weeks, yeah. three weeks yeah. tops. And then the rest of it's all speculation. So if they create a situation where speculator markets are going to be able to galvanize and attack these stores that can get it uh, uh, versus the stores that can't and then make money off of people that are trying to find it. It's just a clusterfuck of, of awfulness. Like it's, yeah, if anything, this supports the speculator market, there being less stores that are going to be able to even be open and sell off things. This is, this is really, really, this looks bad on DC. It's also a shit move. Yeah. I think ultimately they're going to, um, I think they're going to, they're, they're going to backtrack. You think so? Yeah, Yeah. I think public opinion is going to come down on them, and like they're going to realize this is not a this is not a good look. Um, Can they even leave themselves an out for that? Isn't the news like we're looking into other distribution models? Yes, yeah, Yeah, but doing the digital now uh, is is just true. Now, someone had a really good idea on Twitter. Uh, I heard that he got a lot of flack for this, but personally, I think it's kind of cool where someone suggested, what if you gave, like you, the 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 comic companies, DC, Marvel, et cetera, gave the comic shops digital codes for comic books that you could sell now, yeah. and my customers could buy those digital codes, and then when the books actually ship, we give them the hard copy for free because they've already paid. So the same way, it, uh, it's just a flip. On yeah. if you buy the the hard copy, you have yeah. a free digital download inside. You start with the digital download. You get your free issue later when everything starts back up. That's to me, great. that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, that's a really good idea. That's yeah. Good, yeah. yeah. Why did he get? Why did that person get shit? Well, we're I'm not entirely like, sure. These are complicated things, and people are trying to figure out what's good or what's not. So that might be why he got shit. Is that? Yeah. Somebody's first idea was no, that was bad, but then if you think about it more, it seems yeah. good, or, or the reverse. Or by, virtue of, by virtue of them being very complicated things, yeah. the smart long-term solution right now is to hold off, just stop all until the dust settles and we're clear as to what we could do. Because any wrong move now, whether reactionary or not, is going to destroy some piece of the market, whether that's stores, whether that's distribution models, whether that's creating this new vacuum and speculation. Like mm-hmm. it's all horrible if they act, if they react instead of just hold off. Well, I was saying, why Dark did that guy get shipped for his proposal? No idea. That, you know, th- that's my answer is that I think somebody saw it and they took it one way and they were like, oh no, this is shitty. But it's like new stuff to think through. And so something that actually is a good idea might get shit. And something that's not a good idea might not get shit. I you know what I mean? I think there that's are people without There are people without tablets still, I guess. <laughs> I, I, like, I can't think of the reason as to why. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it probably could be as simple as somebody just saying, like, no, that doesn't answer my question. I want the hard copy in my hands. You know right. what I mean? Right yeah. now. So, so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shit on it as opposed to thinking long term. Right. Um, what, like you said, it's like, okay, that's, this actually could play out. Also, there is, I would imagine, a apprehension and uh, fear to wanting to think too long-term about things because of what that implies about sure. the state of play of the world today, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, so you're like, oh, I don't even want to have to think like, oh, shit, like, everything is changing like like i remember and i think somebody even brought this up on the news i was watching um 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was thinking about this. I remember. I'm old enough to remember that there was a time you could go to the grocery store and open up something and look inside the bottle. There wasn't like that little sliver of a cover underneath the top. Yeah. And the reason why, and people, there's people who grew up, that's how, that's all you knew. That's, you know, and it makes sense from a freshness standpoint or whatever. But the sole reason that happened is because somewhere, and I think it was in the 70s, maybe early 80s, some there was this rash of people putting stuff in these bottles in stores, putting mm-hmm. like Tylenol specifically, I think. Something yeah. happened with Tylenol. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so all of a sudden, every the, the world changed, you know, yeah. and it was one of those things like, oh, you know, is this really going to happen? Yes, it became a thing and it became the norm. I remember when you would be able to go and not only just drop people off at the airport, you could go to the airport and sit and watch them board the plane and say goodbye to them as the plane. World has changed. And right now we are seeing in real time, it is not just this part of the world, it's not just America, it's not just China, it is literally the entire world is changing hourly. And to think that these changes are going to continue, not next week, but into July and August, and maybe even into the years to come, is very, very frightening for people. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I'm nervous about, you know, anyone, anytime anyone talks about this going on for months and months, right. uh, this whole lockdown thing, I, I get sick to my stomach. I don't know how I'm going to manage a store. Um, right. And that's that's the other part of it. You know, if if the distri- distribution stops and I don't get any new books and this goes on for too long, well, people don't buy back issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully they'll start buying back issues. Like now's the time to catch up on, you know, series that you never read or, or collected. Right. Um, so hopefully maybe there'll be more of a look into back issues. But um, not getting new books for months and months, I don't know how I would keep a shop open. Yeah, I mean, I think Diamond clearly is doing this to try to help the retailers, but there's that, you're right, the balance that you had just mentioned. Yeah. so Tricky to know what to do. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I keep doing what I can do and fingers crossed, hoping that's going to be enough. And hopefully a bunch of people who read comics will be like, oh, you know, I still want to read comics and there's these things Mm -hmm. are still available and I'll check out Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run or whatever it may be. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Just, just like, just like every, like, unfortunately, just like with every large group of consumers, there are some that are pieces of garbage, and there are some that are more understanding. So, like, we're a part of, like, JD and I are a part of some some Facebook groups and stuff yeah. where people are just like, support your local, do this, forget about the de- the the discount you get, it's fine. Where immediately someone will swipe it and just be like, fuck it, I've been wanting to go digital for a while, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. they're very insular and not an, they don't understand the entire distribution model and how necessary local comic book shops are for you to get your omnibus for 50% off two yeah. years later. Like yeah. you know, they are all intrinsically connected because it's one Avenue stream of distribution. So yeah. not, they don't understand that not supporting a local comic shop does affect the fact that you won't be able to get it at Barnes and Noble in two years. Yeah. Like it, they're both incredibly linked and it just, it frustrates me that they are more short sighted in 
I don't have my books this week versus what's the industry going to look like if people, if all the publishers start doing their own thing? Like that's more important. That's scarier than Diamond has stuff in their warehouse and they won't ship it to me. Like, yeah. Uh, and I think the desire to say something like that on Facebook, independent of what you plan to do, is more about what Len was saying. You know, the like, I need to insulate myself from the fear uh, that I am experiencing from this change. You know, I don't know. I don't know those people. I don't know what they think. I, don't know. I want to give more credit to a, a billion dollar corporation than to just say, we're figuring it out. Like, or just say, well, no, you don't know what you're doing yet. On yeah, Facebook. That's fine. Yeah. On a lighter note, um, Brian. Yes. I mean, JD's going to hate this because this is not comic book related. But I watch, I watch maybe five minutes of the Vagrant Queen. Did you? How are you? It's Saturday. comic related. Yeah, that's based on a comic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Then, comic book related adjacent. I watched five minutes of the Vagrant Queen on Sci-Fi. I couldn't get into it, dude. Really? Uh, <laughs> I'm planning on watching it today. I could. It just came off as real. Those five minutes, really, <laughs> just like, oh, this is corny. This, yeah. it, it was like the special effects, the acting. Uh, thing about it, just let me. Now, mind you, mind. Yeah. yeah. I'm coming off of just watching. Picard, which like tore my heartstrings. Um, oh, not no. say anything about it, but Altered Carbon, which is oh, science fiction. And I watch finally <laughs> the version of Blade Runner that I was able to get through and enjoy. Oh, I still haven't 2049, you mean? No, the original. Oh, the original. Which one? Yeah. The final cut is great. I actually right. really like the final cut. the only one I've ever seen. And that um, a Ridley Scott actually had his hands in from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed it. So after watching all of that and then turning on The Vagrant Queen <laughs> five minutes, yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah um, so no. I mean, those are some top notch things. And this is a sci fi mm -hmm. show, which sometimes are really good and a lot of fun. But but remember, Battlestar Galactica started on sci-fi. Oh, there's some real... Oh, I mean, a very dumb... Uh, like, often, but sometimes they're a little, you know, to get going. Um, they can start out a little hokey. Um, I don't know. Like, like something hokey like Farscape was really enjoyable because it knows what it was. And it was yeah. it was well-paced and it was fun. It was it, You saw yeah. the seams of every single damn set. But yeah. it had the charm of like a 1960s show. Yeah. So it was cool. You know what yeah. show is like that? The um, oh god, and I can't believe it. Um, Seth Seth MacFarlane show. Um, oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, I watched yeah. the first season. I really liked it. I like it too. Yeah, it's Wait, like, it a lot more good than I thought it was going to be. Oh, Sean Yates Katie says buying gift cards online from his local comic shop uh, that he'll use to pay for comics when he can finally pick them up, which is a great thing to do. Yeah, that's what I was about to chime in with. Um, oh. That's a, a really great way. Uh, some of my customers have been helping my shop out. They'll be like, JD, here is $50. Can you make me a gift card? And then when everything dies down, I can spend that money later. But it helps me keep my lights on uh, for now. Um, in fact, Pink Apocalypse, 
longtime listener and friend yeah. of the show. Um, hi, Pink. Um, was uh, nice enough to buy a $50 gift card. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, that is one of the best things you can do for your local uh, comic shops. I almost said local LCS. Um, like your local comic shop is to um, buy a gift card. Uh, if they can do a gift card over the mail, um, or I'm sorry, over the internet, um, send them Venmo money and then they'll hold on to it for you till you get there. One of the best ways you can help out your local shop. So thank you, Sean. Sean Yates, that's a great, and thanks for chiming in with that. That's I forgot to mention that. Oh, and since we're talking about TV shows, I watch a Star Trek now. Which How do you watch it, JD? I'm watching Star Trek Discovery. How yeah. many episodes in are you? It's good. It's so good. Yeah. How many yeah. episodes in are you? Let's let's get synced up. We're on episode eight. I'm on like five or six. If if you get synced up, I'll I'll we'll do a viewing with you. Like we'll we'll all be on the same page, our two couples, because we're Fine. just waiting to get back into it. Because yeah, these cats are like a season ahead of us. This is this is a great show. Oh yeah. Yeah. The best is yet to come. Oh, yeah, I heard so many so I heard a lot of people were complaining, like classic Star Trek fans were like, nah, this show is bad. But I think it's the it's awesome. Well yeah, I what, uh to call out to call out um What's John, uh, word balloon? John Suntress. Yeah, his, his biggest gripe is that it's um, she's a little bit of a Mary Sue, I guess. She's an yeah. awesome, competent character. Like those characters are awesome. I don't think that's by yeah. itself. I mean, are you talking about the Vulcan is a Mary Sue? The the yeah, and it's it's to the detriment of other characters. And I'm totally paraphrasing, and you can go listen sure. to all this shit yourself. But yeah. he's not a giant fan of it because he feels like it's not necessarily that she's incredibly competent. It's the fact that uh, by virtue of that, everyone else looks dumb or aggressive or you know, oh, like the that's captain. what I'm enjoying about the show. Is I always thought the captains and you know the crew of these ships were supposed to be above reproach, and um, they're yeah. just. And I like that there's a darkness to this show that maybe existed in other Star Trek shows, but it's new to me. Um, you know, I'm used to, I guess, Picard, who I guess didn't like kids, but otherwise was really good at his job. Oh, yeah. um, this 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 captain, whose name I forget, seems to be suffering from PTSD. Very he's right. a bit of a warmonger. Yeah. Um, uh, it's very engaging. But, you know, he's also able to manipulate his crew into thinking that he's doing things solely for them and that <laughs> it's a it's a... It's um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he's a manipulative bastard. But yeah, yeah, he's really good like, at his job. But he's they a think he's bastard. being a great captain when yeah, really he's yeah, being yeah. self-serving. I, I actually, I really, really, I forget his name. What's his name? Lorca, Gabriel Lorca. Lorca. Yeah, yeah. Play more, recognize it. I hate him, yeah. but I love him. But then I hate okay. him, and I love him. It's just it's perfect. It's a perfect foil for uh, Michael. Yeah. And also, as far as her ultra competency, like. Ensign Tilly is also great, like really yeah. good. Paul Stamets is the best in his field, you know, like, which also Paul Stamets is a real dude who is a mysiologist that like oh. he's mushrooms. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the way they do um, space travel with the yeah. spores and everything is nuts. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Mushrooms are a fascinating subject in general. Like the, like are we the, the, of the forest. Hmm. Not those kind, but also, you know, those kind, maybe. If we're going to get into flora, you guys are breaking up. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we're getting into crazy stuff. Oh, the classic uh, static of the screen shaking all around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know your connection's bad. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, should we wrap it up? 
Let's wrap yeah. it up. Uh, Till next week, TKO week. Sounds yeah, good. because there's no new issues coming out, I'm going to use this time hopefully to catch up on some series that I haven't read in the past. And hopefully maybe we could talk about some trade paperbacks in, uh, in the future. I'd like to visit Fear Agent. I've never read that. Oh, um, I Yeah, so we got plenty to talk about. Hey, maybe, maybe we can do like a uh, our own little uh, book club. I, I wanted to not say book club because you already have a book club. Uh, but yeah, a book club <laughs> where we'll pick something and then all of us uh, – commit to it yeah some sort of book explode i don't know <laughs> uh, I, so the I, joke I, is i fanboy does a book explode and it's their book club um speaking of book clubs though my shop johnny destructo's hero complex has uh, a facebook group called i believe jd's hero complex book club i created it yesterday and for the foreseeable future i guess i'm going to be doing my store's book clubs online um, maybe using Zoom or some other program. Right. Uh, so this Tuesday at eight o'clock, if you guys are interested, we are doing, um, we're going to be talking about God Country by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. Hmm. So you're more than welcome to join us for that. And um, I guess that's it. Um, Len, where can the people find you? Yo, check me out on uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, follow the Black Tribbles. Too cool to be geeks, too cute to be nerds. We are Black Tribbles. We're all over the place. We're going to be coming, bringing some video your way uh, shortly. Um, so, holla at a Tribble. Holla, 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 holla. And that's where we ran into some technical difficulties. So you can reach Brian Lieb at uh, brianliebdesign.com. You can reach Noel on Twitter at Mr. Bartocci, B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I. You can help out the show if you go to patreon.com slash johnnydestructo. Uh, thanks to um, uh, my patrons who are there now. I really appreciate it. And um, if you want to help out your my shop, my PayPal is at Johnny Destructor or at JD's Hero Complex. And um, I am taking mail outs and all sorts of things. So if you need comics, please let me know. You can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. Also, um, we, you may have noticed, uh, there were some visual elements to the show this week because we basically did the show on YouTube. YouTube, uh, I think maybe Facebook Live and then put it on YouTube and then we just put the audio here. And uh, if you would like to watch us be goofs and talk about comic books, you can go to Cult Pop Podcast on YouTube or you should uh, follow us on Facebook if you want to watch us live. Thanks so much and we will talk at you later. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. 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 Yeah.